0: Greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make every path straight. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, we saw that the one message, that is Christ and Him crucified, brought about heart conviction, confession of faith, and produced converted souls. That message pointed out sin and sinfulness on the part of the listeners who were now to respond appropriately by way of repentance. It was this kind of message which brought that conviction that made people to confess and brought about true heart conversion in these people. We spoke about the fact that unless people realize that they are sinners from birth, nobody is born without sin. We are all born with sin. That unless you realize that they are sinners, so it's not about, of, oh, I don't drink, I don't do this. You still have the original sin of Adam and Eve, which is the sin of rebellion, disobedience to the word of God, deep within every one of us. And so it's not about what you do or don't do. It's about what you are. We are rebellious by nature. We are disobedient to the word of God by nature. And so, unless people come to that realization, they cannot repent. What are they going to repent of if they don't realize that they are sinners? And so, the process of conviction, of confession, of conversion, based on the fact that I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ is that Savior, it produces enduring souls in the kingdom, which will now become disciples. Because don't forget the issue we are looking at is what, how did we come about becoming disciples? So the first step is that the sinners who become disciples must recognize that they are sinners. They are sinners from birth. They are sinners by their own actions and all the things they do and so on and so forth. And they must repent of it, recognizing that if they do repent of it, God will forgive them and give them his salvation. The disciples that are thus produced, are hungry for more and more of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are people who have a hatred for sin. These are people who desire the word of God and their desire also is to please God. So this was basically what we looked at in our last broadcast and we will move on from there because we made it clear that there's no need for us to say that we are discussing the gospel. If people have not gotten themselves to the place where they recognize that they are sinners. And that as a result of that, they can now come to the Lord and seek his forgiveness and obtain it. In our broadcast today, continue with Acts chapter 6, 1a, which says, And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, the New King James says, now in those days when the disciples were multiplying. That's just what we want to look at. And we already discussed in our last broadcast about how the word of God, when it is preached, that is the issue of Christ and him crucified, why he died for us, and the fact that we are sinners who need his salvation. And we own up to that, we, we confess or we face up to that. And then we now receive the grace of God and we are saved. But we need to note that not all those who heard this message of Christ and him crucified, who heard the message that they are sinners and they are sinful, who repented or sought the forgiveness of God. These people were not convinced. They did not confess and they were not converted. And this is going to form our discussion in this broadcast. Let's not think that the moment I preach Christ and him crucified, And I mentioned the fact that people are sinners and they should return. They should come. Yes, it will convince some people, but not all of them. In Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 37 to verse 41. Acts chapter 2, 37 to 41. This was when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost from verse 37. Now, when they heard this, that is, when they heard what Peter had said concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, concerning the speaking in tongues, concerning the fact that they were instrumental in the crucifixion of the lord jesus christ bringing them to the realization that they had sinned the bible tells us in verse 37 says now when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said unto peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do so when people come to the realization of that they are sinners they of course ask what shall we do then peter this untoward generation. In verse 41, the Bible then says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. The Bible makes us understand that having preached, the people were pricked in their hearts. But in verse 41, after Peter had told them what they need to do, The Bible says, then they that gladly received the word were baptized. So there were those who did not gladly receive the word. It was not everybody that received the word. It wasn't everybody that welcomed it. It wasn't everybody that accepted or that agreed with what Peter had said. Only a few. And the few, well, 3,000, that's a large number. But you can imagine how many more were not saved. In Acts chapter 4, verse 4, in chapter 3, Peter and John had gone to the temple to pray and there was a man who begged them for alms and they had ministered to him. Now, as a result of that, he was healed and began to walk, leaping and jumping, entering into the temple and Peter and John began to preach to the people that this is the doing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in chapter 4, the fourth verse, the Bible says, How be it many of them which heard the word believed And the number of the men was about 5,000. Many of them believed. Not all of them believed. That's the point we are trying to draw out here. Many believed, but not all of them believed. Now, if we go to Acts chapter 5, we'll now see further that it's not just the issue of believing or receiving. There's also the aggressiveness and the opposition to the gospel by the people Who did not receive it? Some of those who did not receive it, they were so aggressive about the gospel that, I mean, it was something else. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29 through to 33, Acts 5, 29 to 33. This was when Peter and the others were before the Sanhedrin and they were stopping them from preaching the gospel. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. In verse three, the Bible says, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. In chapter 2 we read that the people were cut to their heart And they said what must we do But the same cutting of heart Brought about such Opposition that they wanted to slay them In Acts chapter 7 54 to 59 This was when Stephen was martyred Acts 7 54 to 59 It says when they heard these things That Stephen had spoken They were cut to the heart And they gnashed on him with their teeth So you can see the kind of opposition Even with the action of cutting to the heart, it did not elicit the kind of response that we would always expect. It could become an aggressive opposition that would even result in our death. And I continue in verse 55. He says, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, that is Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold. I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And the stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. This was a response to the gospel. Not the kind of response that you and I would expect, but this was a response to the gospel. It was it was negative, it was opposing, and it was aggressive. In chapter eight, verse one to three, the Bible talks about here. It says, "And Saul was consenting unto his death, that unto Stephen's death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles." and Devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hauling men and women, committed them to prison. This was the aftermath, the fallout of the murder of Stephen for the sake of the gospel. And then they went in and just just began to ransack homes, searching for people who said they were Christians, people who said they were following the way, and they began to arrest them, lock them up in prison, brutalize them, and so on and so forth. So the question is, what was the issue that brought about divergent responses to the gospel message by the hearers? What was it? Was it the message? I don't think it was. In Romans chapter 1 verse 16, the Bible tells us that this gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everybody that believeth. It is the power of God. It brings salvation to anybody who will believe. So there isn't a problem with the message. The message is a message that should bring salvation to you if you believe. So part of the real issue here is the refusal to believe the gospel. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible tells us about the word, this message. It says the word is active. It is living. It is powerful. It is effective. It is effectual. So the word is not a problem. The word is powerful. The word is potent. The word has the ability to bring salvation. The word has ability to cut through the hearts of men. We saw how it cut their hearts, but we are seeing different responses to the cutting of the heart. The word of God is powerful, but the kind of response that we are seeing is different. So we want to look at this thing and find out why are we getting different responses. One would naturally have thought, after what we discussed the last time, that it's a very simple thing. Preach the gospel and people will be rushing to come and be saved. But we have to point out that it's not everybody who accepts the gospel. It's not everybody who wants to be saved. In Isaiah chapter 55, 10 and 11, Speaking still on the word of God. This is God himself speaking. He says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and board, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto." I sent it. The word of God is able to accomplish whatever it is that God wants it to accomplish. We want the word of God, by the grace of God, to accomplish the purpose of salvation to men. But when it gets to certain men, that purpose is not accomplished. It is accomplished elsewhere. For example, when God sends a message in a crowd, the message is supposed to bring salvation to people. Now, a few people will receive it it is accomplished. But what of those who do not receive it? Why is it that they are not receiving it? Why do some people receive the word and some people don't receive the word? We see the same thing even in church. Amongst those who say they believe, we find that that when the message of God, the true gospel is preached, some people don't accept it. Some people don't receive it. Some people don't welcome it. Some people just act completely different from the word. So the message is not a problem. The message has to do with the people who are hearing. In Psalm 107 verse 20, Psalm 117 verse 20, the Bible says he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So the word of God is powerful. It can be sent anywhere and it will accomplish the purpose whereunto God has sent it. It's not every time that the message is preached that nothing happens or a word of wisdom goes forth and nothing happens. No. The word of God has power in itself to accomplish whatever task it is sent to accomplish. unaided. You don't even need to help the word. It will accomplish its purpose. The real issue is when it comes to us, how do we treat the word of God? Because it is our treatment of the word of God that is at issue here. And we're going to see a little bit of that. But let's look at the word a little bit deeper. In Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11, Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11, the Bible says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I mean, that's the word of God. It converts souls. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It has the ability to give wisdom to the simple. In verse 8, it says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It brings joy to the heart. These statements are talking about the word of God or the gospel itself. The law of the Lord is the gospel. The testimony of the Lord is the gospel. The statutes of the Lord is the gospel. It is right. It rejoices the heart. It says the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It opens the eyes. It illuminates. It makes us see that we are truly sinners. So the word of God has that power. In verse 9, it says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yeah, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. In verse 11 it says, moreover, by them is thy servant warned. The word of God can warn us. It can keep us from getting involved in the wrong things. But look at the next statement that is made in verse 11. It says, and in keeping of them, there is great reward. In keeping of them. So, If a person is not keeping the word of God, he cannot benefit from the reward of the word of God. And this is where the issue is. There are a number of people who go to church. They hear the message or who we preach to on the streets. They hear what we are saying, but they they don't want to keep it. They don't want to obey it. They don't want to heed what it is saying. And so, they do not benefit from the reward that accumulates to those who keep the word of God. In Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11, in verse 9 it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man who get involved in things of of peer pressure and some other uh, stuff that are not helpful to the proper development of the human being? How does that man cleanse his way? He says, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Are they taking heed? That's the issue. So we have teenagers who go to church. We have adolescents who go to church. We even have elderly people who go to church. They hear the word of God, but they do not take heed to it. And because they don't take heed to it, even though they've heard the word of God, they still live in sin. They still commit sin, regardless of the fact that the word of God has power. In verse 11, it says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. These people refuse to hide the word of God in their heart. They chuck it out once it comes. They just throw it out. Like we say, it enters one ear and flies out the next ear. So we find that the word of God is potent with all the potency of the word of God. We are seeing different responses. It goes to the heart and it cuts through our heart. And we've seen how people were cut in their heart. But then we saw different responses. What was really the problem? The issue was how the word was received. Or that it was not even received at all. So when we look at the word receive, what are we talking about here? When we say they received the word or did not receive the word, another way of looking at that they received the word or not received the word is whether they welcomed the word into their hearts, whether they accepted the word. One of the things I've discovered about the word of God is whether you agree with the word of God or not, it is still the word of God. Somebody can say, well, you know, maybe a lame man would say, I don't believe in gravity. Why? Because he's lame. He's never been able to jump up and come down. So so he says, I don't believe in it. The fact that you don't believe in it does not mean that gravity is not real or gravity does not exist. In the same way, the fact that you refuse to welcome the word of God does not mean that the word of God by itself is not potent. It is just that in your life, because you have refused to welcome it, you have killed the potency of the word of God. And so it becomes ineffectual in your life. So people can hear the word of God that should save their souls, but instead of them being saved, they become more rebellious and recalcitrant to the word of God and even seek to kill the one who is bringing that message to them. Talking about receiving the word of God, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church after they had left the church and in the second chapter at the 13th verse, this is what he said. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So we said to them, when you receive this word of God, when you welcomed it into your hearts, you welcomed it not as the words of men. So if you welcome the word of God as the word of a man, it will not do you good. They said, but they welcomed it as the word of God, which it really is in truth. And because of that, it is that same word, effectually worketh also in you that believe. So because they welcomed it and they believed it, their lives were changed. If the word of God is going to benefit you, you must welcome the word of God. You must accept it. You must yield to it. You must heed what it is asking you to do. In James chapter 1 verse 21, the Bible says concerning the word of God says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. If you cannot receive the word with meekness, what does that mean to receive the word with meekness? We are speaking of receiving the word with humility, with submission in your heart. We are speaking of receiving the word without debate, without argument. The minute you begin to argue with the word of God, you are not going to heed it. You are not going to accept it. So to receive the word of God is with humility, with meekness, without argument. Removing all self-interest and recognizing that God wants to save your soul. The one who made you wants indeed to save your soul. In fact, it goes on in verse 22. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So if indeed you have received the word of God, you will do it. You will heed it. Because there's a hearing and a doing. And that's what we call heeding. You will heed the word of God. You will hear and you will do. In verse 23 says, For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and continueth therein, that is, is doing it, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, which is required by the word, that is, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So to be blessed is not something that is pronounced on you say, be blessed, be blessed. No, a blessed man is a man who hears the word of God and who does it. That is a blessed man. And you hear the word of God without argument, with humility. In Hebrews chapter four, verse two, Hebrews chapter four, verse two, The Bible says here, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. It did not benefit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So people hear the word of God and it is not benefiting them, even though the word of God has come to benefit people, but they are not benefited by the word. Why? Here it says, because they did not mix it with faith. They did not receive it with faith. They did not welcome it with faith. People always expect that the word of God will come and they will see it instantly. No. Sometimes the word of God is spoken and you must believe it and consistently hold on to it before you see the benefits coming forth. And that is why he says they didn't mix it with faith. They were not ready to wait patiently. And that is why it didn't profit them. In Romans chapter 10 verse 17 Romans 10, 17, the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the faith we are talking about is produced by hearing the word of God, by listening to the word of God, by being open in your spirit man to the word of God. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift from God that none should boast. So the faith That comes as a result of the word. is even a gift that God gives. If a man were willing to welcome the word of God, God will give him the gift of faith to believe. Sometimes, just like any gift, some people are given the gift, but they refuse to receive it. They refuse to accept it. So these are the fundamental issues. Why people will hear the word of God and they will not profit from it. Even though the word of God has come to profit them, to benefit them, to be a blessing in their lives. Look at verse, verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 4. It says, Seeing therefore it remained that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. So the word of God came, but they did not believe it. Faith was missing. They heard the word of God, maybe, unlike the Thessalonians, they heard it and thought it was the words of men. So they ignored it. There's a way somebody will say something to you, you wonder who is talking, push that thing away. So that is how people received it. They did not receive it with meekness, with submission, with surrender, that this is the word of God. So they did not believe it. And so it was not profitable to them. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 3, the Bible tells us about what happened in the wilderness. And it's a warning for us, a lesson that we can learn from. In Hebrews chapter 3, 7 and 8 it says Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit saith Today, if ye will hear His voice Harden not your hearts As in the provocation In the day of temptation In the wilderness Hardness of heart, an impregnable heart The word does not enter By the grace of God I'm sure the next, In our next broadcast we'll, we'll discuss this thing In some detail Unheeding, unyielding, strong willed The word of God comes, but when it comes, it meets an unyielding person. It meets a stubborn person, a strong-willed individual, and it cannot profit. So even though it has come to cut the heart, what you have is rebellion instead of submission. What you have is an attack instead of a yieldedness. And we get the kind of results that we are getting in different instances. People accept it, they are saved. People refuse it, they rebuff it. They fight against it, and it doesn't profit them, even though the word of God has profited. If you go to verse 10 of the same Hebrews chapter 3, he says, Wherefore, this is God speaking, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. There's a lot of erring. To err is to turn away from the right path, to go into error to look at the word of God as though it were the words of a man, as though it doesn't have power, as though it cannot do whatever it says. These people erred in their hearts. Now, when we talk of people erring, normally we hear, oh, you you know, in the world, when when they want to make an excuse for an error, they say, it is not a mistake of the head, it is a mistake of the heart, as though that mistake of the heart is to be pardoned. But in the word of God, the mistake error from the heart is a terrible thing. It means that that heart is corrupt. Anything that will issue forth from that heart is error. It's going to be wrong. Even when you put the right word in it, it's re- what will come out of it will be error. In Matthew chapter 22, I think from about 23 there about or so, the Sadducees came and began to speak about a hypothetical case of seven brothers who got married to one woman, of course, turn by turn. after The first one married the woman died And according to Jewish tradition, the the second one will have to marry. Then he'd also died, the third, the fourth, up till the seventh. And then then they now asked that in the resurrection, who will be the husband? Now, you must understand that Sadducees were people who did not believe in resurrection. So the hypothetical case they brought was to poo-poo and rubbish resurrection. So when they brought it and they made the hypothetical statement, the Lord said to them, you do err. You guys, you always err. Why? Because you don't know the scriptures, nor the power of God. You start from the standpoint of, I don't believe in resurrection. Then you bring a hypothetical case to rubbish it. And the Lord said to them, you guys don't understand that in the resurrection, they neither marry nor give away in marriage. They are like angels. There's not an issue of marriage or no marriage. No. Everybody that comes into the resurrection You come in as an individual, a saved soul. That is why it is always said that salvation is a personal matter. Salvation does not cover you and your wife. It does not cover you and your pastor. It does not cover your pastor and you. It's you alone. And it's you alone that will stand before God. So salvation is a personal, private issue. You don't follow somebody else. You follow God. So these people erred. And so one of the reasons why people do not receive the word of God or receive the gospel that will bring salvation to them is because they have error in their hearts. Their hearts are already corrupt. The Bible says that the heart of man is desperately wicked. It is evil and says nobody can know. Only God can touch that heart. So if we open up our hearts to God, the issue of error, will be removed. The issue of the challenges that we face with believing the word of God will be removed. The Lord Jesus Christ said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make the tree bad and its fruit will be evil. So it's a matter of God touching our hearts and we must open. God is not going to force himself to touch our hearts. By the way, the heart we're talking about is not this thing that pumps blood. The heart is the centrality of man, is the being, who you are. Man is a spirit who has a soul and dwells in a body. The one that is speaking is the inner man, the spirit. And that is the heart of man, the center of man, the the spirit man. That's what we're talking about here when we talk of the heart. So when a man has erred in his spirit, every other thing will be wrong. If you have a madman living in a house, no matter how beautiful that house is, People will avoid that house. No matter how well-intentioned you may be, you will not want to go near that house because the fellow in that place is mad. And so you will avoid the house. In the same way, if the word of God comes in to this house, this body, and gets to meet the only the occupier, the heart, the spirit that is there, the spirit man that is inside this body, and it is corrupt, it is an erring spirit, the word of God will not profit it because it will just push it out. It will rebel against the word of God at every turn and can even become aggressive and murderous. Finally, in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Stephen said, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. There are people, and that is the problem of man, when a man has not submitted himself to the Holy Ghost, he will resist him. Adam and Eve resisted God in the garden. What they did, we say, is disobedience. But in the eye of God, what they did was a rebellion against his word, a resistance of salt, refusing to believe God, but instead believing Satan. And that's what is being said here. He says, you guys, you are stiff-necked. A stiff neck is a neck that cannot turn. A neck that is just set. Nothing can change it. Even the potency of the word can not turn that neck. It is stiff. It is frozen in place. An uncircumcised heart and ear is a heart that is still shrouded with all kinds of impurities and corrupting influences. It's not being cut open. It's just there protecting that central being. It will take God through the agency of his word persistently over time sometimes to rip that membrane that is covering the heart of man so that the word of God can penetrate in and bring about change to that being. When a man's heart has not been circumcised, when a man is stiff-necked, he will always resist the Holy Ghost. He will always resist the word of God. And there lies where we get the kind of dual response that we get When we talk about preaching the gospel. The message of Christ and him crucified. So that as powerful and effectual and as transforming and reforming that the word of God is. Its potency can still be undermined by the lack of reception by the hearer. If you refuse to receive the word of God. Even when you know that this is wrong. It cannot benefit you. It is like speaking to an empty room because we're not going to get any response. If a man commits a crime and he goes before a judge and he's convicted of the crime, anybody who commits a crime is convicted already, but he is not convinced that he committed the crime. Even when the judge has laid out the issues, he still is not convinced. We usually say that that man is a hardened criminal. Such people, they will appeal the case, After the appeal, if they lose the appeal, they will go on to the Supreme Court. If they lose at the Supreme Court, they will now berate the judges. You can see that such people, their heart is a problem. They went to court. They went to the appeal court and the Supreme Court because they believed that the lower courts were wrong. But those courts, those are higher courts. Those higher courts also said that they agreed with the lower court. And what would have expected... That the person who took the case to the Appeal Court and Supreme Court would say, yes, I went there because I I trusted that they would give me the right thing. And whatever they have given is right. But he refused to accept it. The answer to that is he's a stiff-necked man. He's uncircumcised in heart and ear. He's a man that lacks faith, even in the places that he went to. He's a man that the word of God will not benefit. He's a man that the Bible says has a hardened heart. He's going to court or his acceptance of it is only when it is agreeable to him. The word of God does not agree with us. We are to agree with the word of God. The word of God comes to tell us who we are. We are sinners. You cannot say, because I don't drink, because I don't womanize, and because I don't smoke, or I don't do this, I don't do that, that means I am pure. No, the Bible says, the word of God is saying to you that you were born a sinner. So because you were born a sinner, you are a sinner. Accept it. How difficult can that be? Submit to it. Yield to it. I know it can be tough. I went through that also. It took three years of persistence by the Spirit of God to convince me about the Lord Jesus Christ. And his lordship. So I can empathize with others. But what I am saying now is don't let it drag on forever. Let me show you a passage in Genesis 6. Let me read it from verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. In verse 5, he says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him. At his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The bottom line is what the Lord said about man in verse 3 that his spirit would not always strive. The spirit of God, every time he comes to speak the gospel, is like striving, it's like a quarrel. Telling us, repent, repent. You are a sinner. Jesus will save you. Repent. Surrender your life to him. Give up your, your obstinacy. Hand over your life. That's the best thing that can ever happen to you. But we are there resisting. We are there formulating religion. We are there forcing. We won't pick the word of God and use it as it suits us. But we will not yield to the spirit of God. We are not receptive To the Spirit of God. We are resisting Him. And in so doing. There is a striving as it were. Between the Spirit of God and us. And God says. He has given 120 years. As the maximum time. For His Spirit. To strive with man. This is the point. Why do we strive? With God. Why would we strive with our maker? Why would we quarrel with the one who not only made us, but when we disappointed him and sinned against him, he made provision for us to be saved. It can be difficult to accept it. It can be difficult to appreciate it. But that is the truth. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How can that be a hard thing to do? How can it be difficult To accept that the one who made you made a provision for you to come through repentance and have fellowship with him. The Bible makes it clear that God is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. Because of sin in man, even though God wants man to come, he cannot. I remember uh, watching a Yoruba play in the 70s. Kurumi was the title. It was about a warrior who just wanted war. He wanted to fight and he created this war. He thought he was going to win the war, but now he was on the losing side. And he said a proverb there. He said the cow gave birth to fire. It wanted to lick it, but it could not because the fire would burn its mouth. He wanted to throw the fire away, but it could not because that was its child. That's the dilemma that God has with man. He made man, but man's heart is continually evil. Many times he wants to discard man, but he cannot. Man was made in the likeness of God. And so he says, what do we do about this thing? He said, let me send my son. And so Jesus Christ was sent to come and pay the price of sin. And all we need to do is say, Jesus, I believe that you came to die for me. I agree that I'm a sinner. And I want you to be my savior. It's a statement that you make with your mouth. Haven't believed it in your heart. And bam, salvation comes. The joy of the Lord wells up in your heart. Hatred for sin begins to build within you. The peace of God comes to envelop you and the righteousness of God fills your life. Suddenly you know what is right from what is wrong and you choose every time to do what is right. You choose every time to please God. We are going to look a little bit deeper at this matter of the heart in our next broadcast. But what I want to leave us with is that for those who preach the gospel, before you preach, Pray to God that the Word of God will find receptivity with the hearers. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul the Apostle asked the church there in verse 2 and verse 3. He says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, without praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He saying, pray for me, that I'll be able to present the gospel in a manner that will be received. Now, I am saying to you that it is good to pray this prayer, but also add that those who will hear you will be receptive, that God will give them openness of heart to receive his word. If they can receive the word of God, the word of God will do its work. So we need to pray for people to be receptive to the word of God, to be open to the word of God. And then, if you are hearing what we are saying now, and it is proving a challenge for you to receive the word of God, I'm pleading with you now that you pray to God to help you. I've always told people who say they don't believe in God, I say, fine. It's a very simple prayer that you need to pray. Just pray. Just make a statement. You don't need to close your eyes. Just make a statement because of course you don't believe there is God. Just say, if there is a God, make yourself known to me. That's all you need to say. You don't need to do more than that. But if you are somebody who believes in prayer, then tell God, regardless of the religion that you are practicing right now, say to God, if you are the God, that I should be worshipping. Show me yourself. I have heard about Muslims bowing down in the mosque and they heard a voice because there was sincerity in their hearts and God directed them to Jesus Christ. And I'm saying to you, that same God is present today in the earth. Present today, even as you are hearing this broadcast. He wants you to know that there is a God. And that he is that God. And that he sent Jesus Christ his son. That whosoever is hearing him will believe that he sent Jesus Christ. He will bring salvation. I'm not asking you to throw away your thinking. No, I'm saying have your thinking in you. And then you will see how God will change. Even you will not believe what has happened. Until we meet again, God bless you. And goodbye.